0: Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before you today to claim your promise in Second Chronicles 7, verse 14. If my people who are called by your name shall humble themselves and pray or to seek or to crave and require of necessity his face, God's face. And if they will turn from their wicked ways, the Bible says, then will I hear from heaven. And God says he will forgive our sin and he will heal our land. Lord God, we are your people. We are called by your name. And we thank you, Lord God, for hearing our prayers and moving by your spirit across the lands. There are famines, there are earthquakes, there are floods. There are natural disasters and violence occurring all around the world. Mankind's hearts are failing them because of fear. Lord, your son, Jesus Christ spoke of discerning the signs of the times the Holy Spirit as, as our helper, we are watching, and we are praying. Today we desire to humble ourselves before you, asking that the spirit of humility be released upon each and every listener today. I want, I want to thank you, Lord God, for this quiet and meek spirit, for we know that the meek shall inherit the earth. Search in us, O oh God, and know our hearts and try us and know our thoughts today as we intercede on behalf of our people, those loved ones that need healing. For Brother Al, for Sister Romy, for Judy's Aunt Marie for April and her family for the sickness that many families go through we just ask that you would lift them all up in prayer for brother Bob who just broke his hand you are the God who heals So we come before you today, asking that you forgive our sins and heal in Jesus' name. Lord, we desire to release rivers, rivers of living water for the healing of all nations only the healing of people but the healing of all nations and we do this today in the name of Jesus Christ our Savior and our Lord in Matthew 16 18 through 19 Matthew 18 I'm sorry Matthew 16 18. Through 19. That's our scripture throughout this series of um, the church, the body, and the cross. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock, which is Petra in Greek, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever, whatsoever thou shalt bind upon this earth shall be bound in heaven. That's a very important scripture for you to remember as a prayer partner or a prayer warrior for Christ. And whatsoever thou shalt loose upon this earth shall be loosed in heaven. Well, we're up to principle 10 in this series. And principle 10 is connecting with our culture. Acts chapter 8, verse 4, 11 and 9. 11 and 17 and 15 through 28. Acts 8 and 4. Therefore they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. Acts 11 and 9. But the voice answered me again from heaven. What God hath cleansed, that call not thou common. Acts 11 and 17. If therefore God gave them the same gift, As he gave us when we believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could withstand God? And finally, Acts 15 28. For it seemed good to the Holy Ghost and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things. So, for the first few years the church existed, only Jewish people were evangelized, mostly through the ministry of the apostles. If that trend had continued, we would not be in the church today, talking about Gentiles. So what changed? I want you to watch the transition. God used internal circumstances, conflict over ministry uh, to the to the widows to teach the church that they, they needed to share the ministry, to, cha- to share this evangelism. Then he used external circumstances, persecution, if you will, to teach the church that they needed to evangelize everywhere, to everyone. And in doing so, it was necessary for them to reach beyond the current church culture to impact the world around them. Now, that's where we come in on this broadcast. I want to go back a little bit because to teach the church, it says, the church is the body of Christ, right? That includes you and I on this broadcast. Whether you're homebound or whether you just choose not to go to a building, we are part of the body of Christ. So let me rephrase it a little bit. Then he used external circumstances of persecution to teach, let me say it, let me paraphrase it, the body of Christ. That they needed to evangelize everywhere. And in doing so, it was necessary for them to reach beyond beyond the current body of Christ's culture to impact the world around them. Now you're saying you're changing the word of the Bible. I'm paraphrasing so it makes it more understandable. If they had not done so, they would never have been able to reach anyone except the Jewish people. This cultural change within the church or the body of Christ had nothing to do with changing the the contents of the gospel. Nobody ever changed that. But everything to do with changing their presentation of that gospel, changing everything the way they presented it. It wasn't just presented to the Jewish people, it was presented to everyone. There was more opposition to this change from the Jewish uh, Jerusalem church to a gentle uh, Gentile Roman church than any other opposition but as the New Testament Saints began to target their efforts into reaching the, the majority of the culture the everyday people in other words God gave them an incredible incredible harvest and the biblical concept of targeting in other words no single congregation can reach everyone due to due to the the um, geographic area or maybe the language or maybe the music or maybe the custom and even personal preference so that's why we have so many denominations so many different types of churches and that is why we are a part listen that is why we are part of a worldwide fellowship a worldwide fellowship the type of fish we catch will depend largely on the bait that we use whether they are made uh consciously or unconsciously of our congregation's choices today determine who we will reach tomorrow a church or even a radio station or even a broadcast like this that continually tries to appeal to everyone, everyone's preference will wind up offending everybody and reaching nobody. To be successful, we must determine whose lives in our area, or in our case, who we reach out to on our broadcast, who lives in what area and how we can best reach them, and then intentionally go after that audience. That's targeting the Bible determines our message but our target determines how we communicate that message to them so targeting is a biblical principle right say it with me targeting is a biblical principle Jesus targeted his ministry to the lost sheep of the house of Israel Matthew 15 verse 24 And instructed his disciples to do the same thing in Matthew 10 5 and 6. Peter targeted his ministry to the Jews, while Paul yet targeted his ministry to the Gentiles in Galatians 2 and 7. And we even have four gospels because each one of them was written with a specific target in mind. Matthew wrote to the Jews, Mark to the Romans, Luke to the Greeks, and John to the church. God himself invented the concept of, of targeting. No missionary to a foreign country would try to reach people without first understanding their culture and their language and communing with them on, on that basis. It's just as crucial to understand that people of our area, I mean, we're reaching out to 31 countries, you know, and provinces around the world. So it's important to know who we're targeting and how we're going to try to reach them and bring the lost to salvation with Christ. So we don't have to agree with our culture, but we do have to understand it in order to to reach it. That's Jesus's standard approach. Start where the people are. Start right where the people are and reach out. You know, reach out to them and find them where they are. We must go where they are. We must talk Christ to them. Christ talked to the Pharisees about the law. He talked to the farmers about the seas. He talked to the fishermen about the fish. He talked to the rich young ruler about money. He talked to the woman at the well about water. Paul's standard approach become all things to all people. Become all things. To all people in first Corinthians chapter 9 verse 20 and 22 and unto the Jews I became as a Jew that I might gain the Jews to them that are under the law as under the law that I might gain them that are under the law to them that were without the law as without the law being not without law to God but under the law to Christ that I might gain them that are without law To the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. I made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. So the fundamental question at the church council in Acts chapter 15 was this Does a Gentile have to adopt Jewish customs to become a Christian? The answer was a resounding no. The fundamental question for the church today. When I say church, I'm talking about the body of Christ. Does a sinner have to adopt all of our church customs to become a Christian? And again, the answer is a resounding no, a resounding no. So we must continually ask ourselves, who are we trying to impress? Our primary goal is service to Christ. Our primary goal is not serve us. All too often, we have a church for the churched when our goal should be to have church for the unchurched. Paul taught the New Testament church to adjust their worship service when unbelievers were present in order to reach them in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. This is not caving into culture. It is just being polite. In fact, we always crater to culture. Excuse me, cater to culture. But we must make sure it is city culture and not just church culture. Do you expect our church services to run according to your preference and our ministry to operate according to your convenience? Or are you more concerned about our visitors' preferences and their convenience? The New Testament church found out that some things are essential. That's their message. But other things are not essential or even detrimental. That's their methods. So it all depends on who you want to reach. Why? Why we do what we do. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14. For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge. That if one died for all then we're all dead in essential beliefs we have unity because we have unity in christ ephesians 4 and 4 and 6 there is one body and one spirit even as ye are called in one hope of your calling one lord one faith one baptism one god and father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. In non-essential beliefs, we are liberty. We have liberty. In Romans fourteen one, four, twelve, 4, 12, and 22, accept him whose faith is weak <coughs> without passing judgment. There's a key. Without passing judgment on disputable matters. And i ask you who are you to judge someone else's servant to his own master he stands or falls so then each of us will give an account of himself or herself to god so whatever you believe about these things keep between yourself and god in all our beliefs we show charity in first corinthians chapter 13 verse 2 And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. It's like a clanging cymbal. I want to move into principle 11. Principle 11 says, reaching the religious. We're going to find this in Acts chapter 16, verse 9, 16, 25, and 26, 17, 23, 18, 24, and 26, and 19, 2. Now I'm I'm pushing part 7 and part 8 together here. So let's turn our Bibles to Acts chapter 18. Acts chapter 18, verse 9 and 10. While you're turning there, I'll grab some water so my voice don't go while you turn your Bibles to Acts 18 9 and 10 I'd like to remind you that you know each day if you would just join us in in intercessory prayer for those that we mentioned on on the on the air um, there's many more, but you know you can join us by just saying, "I join with my partners in prayer in this inter and in- in- intercede with intercessory prayer for those for healing. God knows you don't need to know their names, God knows their names. all right, so we're in Acts chapter eighteen, verse nine and ten, then spake the Lord to Paul, in the night by a vision, be not afraid, but speak and hold not thy peace." For I am with thee, and no man shall set on thee to hurt thee. For I have much people in this city. Now I want you to note that further we get from the life of Jesus and the day of Pentecost, the more we begin to find people that know something about Jesus without knowing everything they need to know about him. And that's what we have in the world today. People know a little bit about Jesus. They know a little bit about God. But they're not being taught the gospel they're not being taught enough the bible says in acts 11:26 26 that the disciples were called christians first in antioch only a few months removed from the very first gentile con uh, convert cornelius in acts chapter 10 these disciples definitely had an acts chapter 2 experience but today many religious people consider it An insult if you want to define the term Christian according to the Bible. As the church begins to grow and reach Gentiles, Paul in particular begins to reach the religious. So I want to look at some of the principles that his story has to to teach us. So God doesn't do everything according to our expectations. And we see that in Acts 16 verse 9. And a vision appeared, excuse me, and and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. And there stood a man of Macedonia, and he prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. Now, we don't know how Paul envisioned the Macedonian revival that God called him to, but we do know that it wasn't anything like it turned out. It was a man that Paul saw in his vision, but it was a woman, Lydia. That first responded to the gospel. In Acts chapter 16, verse 25 and 26, verse 25, and at midnight Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, to the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bands were loosed. So, for example, the Lord allowed Paul and Silas to be put into prison to further the revival in Philippi look at how God uses this experience they prayed and they sang praises at midnight hallelujah what do we do when our our circumstances say prison to us binding us the devil's got us bound I mean we're in in the shackles of, of of the ways of the devil we're in the shackles of the ways of this, this world, the ways of the flesh. Do we forget about evangelism? Or do, we, or do we look for an opportunity in our crisis to cry out to Jesus? The prisoners heard them. The people around them heard them. That you can't witness to a prisoners if you don't hang out with prisoners. <clears throat> We've got to get to where the prisoners are. Even if it even if inconveniences us a little. There was an earthquake, and the foundations of the prison were shaken. The earthquake affected everyone, but Paul and Silas knew the reason behind it. When the foundations of our society or the lives of our friends are shaken, let them know that you know the answer doors were opened and bands were loosed when they allowed God to work through a situation that was not of their own choosing once in a lifetime opportunities and miraculous deliveries were the result what will your reaction be if God chooses to use you in a different place than the one that you've envisioned is evangelism your first concern or is much further down your priority list Behind personal preference, comfort, position. The greatest enemy of truth is partial truth. In Acts chapter 17, verse 23, for as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this ins- inscription, to the unknown God, whom therefore ye ignorantly worship, him declare I unto you. Paul basically had a revival or a riot, or maybe both everywhere paul preached except in athens where the reaction was a puzzling indifference and polite curiosity the problem with the the athens was that they had been polluted by um the roman Pantheon. it was spiritual equivalent to a geographical statement all roads lead to rome in their theology everyone's opinion Of God. Salvation in the afterlife was equivalent. They were willing to hear Paul out until he began to preach to them absolute truth, in this case, the judgment. So, listening to the rebellious rhetoric of today, you would think that God's greatest concern is that Christianity becomes more tolerant of other religions. Okay, so I'm going to go through that one more time. So, Listening to the, the the religious rhetoric of today, wouldn't you think that God's greatest concern is that Christianity becomes more tolerant of other religions? That doctrinal walls come falling down? But this is not the Christianity of the Bible. Jesus, is the Prince of Peace himself, said, Think not that I come to spend peace, send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. Matthew 10 and 34. Look it up. Jesus constantly talked about the division his teaching would bring and often contrasted the two types of disciples that would follow him two roads two word pictures of a narrow way that is restricted and confined like a difficult mountain pass and a broad way that is wide open country with no fences no boundaries allowing its residents to go anywhere they want for there is no road in Matthew 7:13 and 14 two trees Jesus gave us instruction to evaluate other believers not to by their uh, professed doctrines but by the practical outward effects the fruit of their teachings Matthew 7:18 and 20 two houses one house is built on a foundation of obedience heareth and doeth and withstands the storm while the other one has no foundation and collapses in Matthew 7:24 and 25 Jesus faced those who wanted to be in the covenant of salvation without obeying the terms of the covenant. The apostles faced the same thing with the Judeas On one extreme and, and Nic- uh, Nicolaita on the other. Today, with more breeds of Christianity than ever before, we also must deal with the same problem. What about all those good Christian people? Is it fair for God to exclude them from his covenant on a mere technicality? Why do they seem to be blessed by God also? The answer lies in the beautiful Old Testament type. There are two sons of Abraham, but only one was the son of promise. In Genesis chapter 17, verse 20 and 21, And as for Ishmael, I have heard thee. Behold, I have blessed him and will make him fruitful and will multiply him exceedingly. Twelve princes shall he beget, and I will make him a great nation. But my covenant will I establish with Isaac, which Sarah shall bear unto thee at this set time in the next year. I want you to notice that Ishmael gets many blessings, but only Isaac gets a covenant. Galatians 4 and 29 and 30. But as then he that was born after the flesh persecuted him that was born after the Spirit, even so it is now. Nevertheless, the saith the Scripture, cast out the bondwoman and her son, for the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. Where the dividing line really comes is at the point of weaning. When a church preaches, and practices the meat of the word as long as they are walking towards truth god has patience with them but when they see truth and reject it god lifts his presence from them <clears throat> their work from the point is accomplished totally in flesh so be sure to distinguish between the two when you're dealing with god uh, god's people are they walking towards the truth or away from the truth because hagar had a common law relationship with Abraham. God promised to make Ishmael great. (coughs) But though he was blessed and multiplied, Ishmael still was not part of the covenant of God. God's blessing is never a sign of his blanket approval, but only an inherent goodness. God always meets faith wherever he finds it. But crowds, miracles, blessings are not the seal of a covenant. The prophetic command to to a barren Sarah is to rejoice because she ultimately ends up with more children than Hagar. That's because only covenant children count in God's sight. In Galatians 4 and 27, for it is written, Rejoice, rejoice, thou barren that bearest not. Break forth and cry, Thou hast travellest not. For desolate hath many more children than she which hath. A husband, it's not time to think small because you have been intimidated by a bondwoman in the past. It's time to enlarge our thinking. We have a covenant message, a covenant message from God in Matthew 19, verse 24 and 26. And again, I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. When his disciples heard it, they were extremely amazed saying, Who then can be saved? But Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men it it is impossible, but with God all things are possible. The greatest friend of truth is a teachable spirit. I close with this in Acts 18, verse 24 and 26. And a certain Jew named Apollos, born of Alexandria, an eloquent man, and mighty in the uh, Scriptures, named Ephesus. This man was instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John. And he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, whom when Agila and Prince, uh, Priscilla had heard, they took him unto them and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. More perfectly, excuse me. The best opportunity for God to reach the religious is for a caring, concerned Christian to find one hungry heart and share with them what you have. Then the masses can be affected. Look at the the happening on the foreign field and look what has happened in the book of Acts. Compare it where you are no matter where you're listening to the sound of my voice. In Acts 3, it was a lame man at the temple gate. Acts 8, it was an anonymous Ethiopian treasurer. Acts 9, it was a Pharisee named Saul. In Acts 9, it was one a coat maker named Dorak Dorcas. Acts 10, it was a Roman centurion named Cornelius. Acts 14, it was one anonymous crippled man. Acts 16, it was one seller of cloth named Lydia. Acts 16, it was one anonymous Philippian uh, jailer. Acts 18, it was one ruler in the synagogue named uh, Crispus. And Acts 18, it was one eloquent preacher named Apollos. Now, I want you to note what Aguila and Priscilla did not do. They did not set the Apollos... Uh, po- yeah, yeah, <laughs> a message aside for the sake of the fellowship with with apollos just because he preached jesus they did not deal with apollos publicly but rather privately note that agila and and priscilla did do they brought apollos from where he was to where he needed to be by teaching him with a kind spirit they connected him with other christians immediately and when paul came to ephesus he found a group of disciples almost certainly those of Apollos who also had hungry hearts for Christ. In Acts 19 verse two, he said unto them, have you received the Holy Ghost since ye believed? And I ask you that same question in closing. Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said unto him, we have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. Once again, although these disciples believed in Jesus, Paul expected them to get baptized in Jesus' name and to receive the Holy Ghost. This event is recorded in Acts to to set a precedent as how to deal with religious people. They are already been baptized into John's baptism. Why wasn't this enough? John's baptism was only ordained by God to be temporary during the life of christ baptism has to do with obeying the gospel which is death burial and the resurrection of christ one needs to be baptized for the redemption of sin in the name of jesus christ going down into the watery grave of baptism immersion and coming up resurrected a new creation in the name of jesus christ Now. When a church becomes as excited about sharing the truth as it is about knowing the truth, revival, revival will happen. I ask you to join me in intercessory prayer for all those that are lost, all those that are in need of healing. Just join with us in daily prayer. If you have someone, just put their name in there. And we'll pray with them as well. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you until he brings you back once again. God bless you.